Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, July 13th. We begin with a look at the incredibly dry and hot summer we've experienced so far and the impact it is having on both agriculture and livestock. We speak with Brad Dubow, GM of Alberta Beef Producers, on the challenges cattle producers are facing right now. Some new camping spots are opening soon in Kananaskis country, but unless you're walking or riding a bicycle, they're not for you. We get details on these unique new sites from a K-Country advocate. Looking to keep the family entertained this summer? We've got you covered. We speak with Dustin Edwards, a cowboy-turned-entrepreneur, about Barney's Adventure Park, the newest attraction now open in Drumheller. Next, we flip through the pages of the latest edition of Savor Calgary magazine. Editor Cami Laird gives us the lowdown on the hottest new food trend in the city, mouth-watering fried chicken sandwiches. And finally, we help you up your barbecue game this summer. The gadget guy, Mike Yanni, brings us the latest tech trends to help you take your barbecue to the next level. This hot weather and drought is hard on all of us. But if we're finding it hot, imagine how hot it is for cattle and how tough it is to keep a herd of cattle watered uh, who can need as much as 30 gallons of water each per day. With more, we're joined by Brad Dubow, the general manager of Alberta Beef Producers. Good morning to you, Brad. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning, Brad. How are cattle herds and producers coping with this extreme heat? It's been challenging. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, as cattle producers across this province now have to uh, take a look at see where where they're going to go, what kind of uh, feed choices, how much grass do they have left. Um, it's been challenging because we see the drought expanding uh, right across this province throughout Western Canada and into BC. So really challenging, tough on the cattle and tough on the producers. Brad, when you hear people say, you know, producers sometimes are forced to make tough decisions, what what does that mean exactly? I mean, do you have to reduce your herd? What do you do? Well, that's, that is the main thing that we're looking at right now at Alberta Beef Producers. And, and of course, uh, working with our delegates and, and the board and the executive on on what some of the choices are that these producers are having to consider. And obviously one of them is a reduction in the mother cow herd. And we we want to do everything that we can, either working with governments or so forth, uh, potentially uh, crop producers that are, their crop isn't going to make it to harvest, you know, in that event that they could be turned to alternative uh, feed uses. So there, there are solutions, but the rancher out there is now having to consider, do they bring in more feed and get through the winter, or do they start to sell off the mother cow herd? And that's extremely challenging. Uh, these producers have put years and years into these, the genetics of those cow herds, and it's a very difficult choice, and it's hard to rebuild. Brad, uh, you and your group are asking the province for emergency financial relief under the agri-recovery framework. Can you explain exactly what that is and what the response has been from the government? So agri-recovery basically um, helps to cover extraordinary expenses around disaster situations. And so, so far we've, had, we've reached out to the provincial government, uh, Minister Dreeshen and his team in ag and forestry, and they've been extremely receptive and uh, really happy to see the, the, the uh, conversation starting to take place. 
And uh, we did just send a letter for an official meeting uh, yesterday, and we're hoping to have that meeting sooner rather than later to discuss uh, triggering agri-recovery. We also would be looking for tax deferral for those producers that have to sell off any of the cow herd, um, that they can, they won't, wouldn't be required to pay taxes up front on that money, and they can utilize those dollars down the road when we get through this situation to rebuild the cow herd. So tax deferral makes sense if you were given some cash in form of, you know, aid. What would that go towards? I mean, a drought is a drought. You can't make money. You can't throw money at it and make it rain, right? No, exactly. So the biggest thing is, is we'd be looking for producers that were able to, uh, being able to source additional feed. And so whatever shape that takes form, uh, we've done this before in other droughts. So they would be utilizing those dollars to purchase feed to maintain the mother cow herd. Brad, let's uh, look uh, further down the line and, and talk about the future as a result of this hot weather. It's having a serious effect on commodities like wheat, barley, and canola. Any fears from your organization that feed crops could be affected, which obviously in turn would make it tough to feed your cattle over the uh, uh, winter months? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, at this point in time, we're, we're, we're at the point where a lot of the crop production, they're making those decisions right now whether or not that is a harvestable crop. And so it's really important for producers, our cattle producers, to be reaching out to AFSC, talking to them, telling them about the situation in their area or their municipalities, their councillors, letting them know just how dire the situation is. Then hopefully uh, through conversations that we've had with AFSC at the end of last week, they're prepared to start making sure that what feed is available out there can get into the mouths of cattle. And so looking down the road, there's going to be challenges, but we're a resilient industry. We've done this before, and uh, we look forward to uh, trying to find out or trying to find those different solutions to get, get us through this period. So difficult, obviously, for producers, for farmers. What does this mean ultimately for the consumer? Does that have an effect on our beef prices, say, when we go to the grocery store? It could, it absolutely could, uh, just depending on supply and demand and where we're at with the numbers, uh, there could be that effect. Uh, we hope to minimize that effect by maintaining the mother cow herd and making sure there's a solid supply of cattle coming up the chain. Wow, interesting times. Best of luck to you. I know it's uh, not an easy time for the industry. Thanks, Brad. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me today. That is, uh, thank you, Brad. That's Brad Dubow, General Manager, Alberta Beef Producers. You can find out more info at albertabeef.org. And yeah, you can imagine, you know, I complain. I don't have AC at home. It gets <laughs> yeah. hot. I don't have to stand in the sun all day and I'm not thousands of pounds. I mean, I'm covered. Oh, why are you giving me that look? Um, it's got to be tough. And this is the, you know, we enjoy our beef. We and do. we understand where meat comes from, but sometimes we don't understand there's that disconnect of the industry that For this sure. is. You're right. We don't hardships. Th- we don't think about the you know, where it starts. Yeah. We just really think about, you know, how it's affecting our pocketbook for the most part and, and it's gotta be tough with that we've talked to farmers about crops. You know how difficult it's been in southern Alberta. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's hot, it's dry. They're not getting enough rain. And you don't think about the animals as well. And and yeah, it's got to be, it's a tough world to be a farmer, even in a good year. Yeah, and I mean, we can talk about hardships for all industries and how things come and go, but it can be a year-to-year thing. And And without these people, we need them. Let's face it, obviously, we do. We know that.
Talk about high prices. We have a great industry here, and, you know, things will hopefully get back in line, and a steak won't be, you know, you, you go to the supermarket, you want a good steak. It's, you know, mm-hmm. upwards of 20 bucks for one steak. We want to support them, and we want to, you know, have a, an abundant supply. But, yeah, I, I spent more than a few years in Red Deer uh, working in the weather uh, business, and, um, you know, we had a lot of agriculture programming that sure. I helped out on those programs, and I understand the hardships. And I know sometimes we we also sometimes even get texts going, oh, you guys are talking about how great it is. What yeah. about the farmers? Yeah. Uh, we understand. And we also understand that in Alberta, any type of weather isn't going to make people happy. Yep. The right amount of rain, it won't be a sunny enough summer for the city folk and those people who want a vacation. But the bottom line is this affects their bottom line. So we're bringing those stories to you. We're grateful for the farmers and the producers and all that they do for us. There's plenty of people who like to hike or bike through K-Country every summer, but there are precious few spots for them to camp. Well, not the case anymore. We're joined by the former chair of the Friends of Kananaskis Country volunteer group, Jeff Grutz. Good morning to you, Jeff. Good morning to you as well, Andy. Jeff, there's been a demand for camping spots for those taking in K-Country on their own power, if you will, and the province has listened by adding some spots. Just give us some sort of an idea, Jeff, and how much this was needed. Well, there was a camping available already. The established campground certainly can provide spots for bicyclists and hikers, but the issue is hiking or cycling is, surprise, less predictable than Mm. traveling by motor vehicle. There can be issues with uh, knees, rotten weather, broken derailers, uh, bent wheels, broken spokes, anything. So having a space where hikers and bicyclists can stay um, all the time, anytime, uh, was uh, highly needed over the, the last who knows how many years. So these would be places, Jeff, or spaces, I should say, that, that wouldn't ever really be booked up. As, would it just kind of be like an open field that's accessible for folks who have been biking or hiking and, and need a place to stay overnight? You got it. That's the, uh, you have a great perception on that. These are areas rather than specific tent pads like the established campgrounds. So these are places where bicyclists and hikers can set up a tent for a night and be assured of having a place to stay Again, the uh, Kananaskis Country Management uh, dictum is to encourage hikers and bicyclists mm. to stay in the established campgrounds, but that just isn't always possible yeah. if the, those sites are full. So these sites have um, facilities that are um, amenable to bicyclists and hikers. They have uh, uh, tire pumps. They have tethered bicycle tool work stands. Oh, cool. There are bike racks and even uh, bear-proof uh, food storage lockers. Brilliant. Ooh. Okay, so so maybe not the same hookups as an RV, but the amenities that those folks uh, need if they're hiking or biking. Give us an idea, Jeff, of where the spots are located. Well, there's uh, four of them established. Two of them are at established sites. Uh, so going from north to south, the first one is Spray Lakes West. It's at the northwest corner of uh, Spray Lakes Reservoir. The, second, or the next two are existing day-use areas. The first one is a Buller Pond day-use area. Uh, further south, a Sawmill day-use area. And finally, into Peter Lougheed Park itself, it's the, the Pocatera area. Really smart, Jeff. So who's paying for this? Is this a government-funded thing, or is this part of our fee that we now pay when we drive into Kananaskis? Uh, no. Well, the, uh, the sites were built by uh, Kananaskis Country, it's within their budget, but the users uh, are anticipated to pay. We hope they will pay. The primary purpose was to 
uh, eliminate or greatly reduce random camping, which is not always a good thing. So users will pay. The current fee is not to everyone's liking. It's uh, $31 a night. It's the same fee as uh, one would have to pay in the other established uh, front country um, campsites. We were hoping for the backcountry fee of $12 per night, but Kananaskis management feels that these sites are located in the front country and hence the same fee as elsewhere in the other established campgrounds. Well, interesting, and it, it sounds like a win for not mm-hmm. just your organization, but for all those who want to, again, uh, make their way through on their own power. Very interesting, and it sounds like a, a great resource. Thanks, Jeff. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling, too. Have a great day. You, too. That is Jeff Grutz, former chair of the Friends of Kananaskis, Volun- uh, Kananaskis Country Volunteer Group. And, uh, you know, good news there for those people, like you say, like you said, if there's no option, you're just going to set up the tent anywhere. It's, it makes so it a place that. available. Yeah, smart. <laughs> Absolutely. And keeps everybody safe, right, with the bear-proof for your food oh. and that sort of thing. So it makes a lot of sense. The amenities for the bikes and even the bike racks. Uh, I want to, uh, uh, we'll get to some, some, some stampede, well, it's related to COVID. I want to give you these numbers because I was very happy to see what was released yesterday mm-hmm. afternoon by Dr. Dina Hinshaw and crew because... We don't hear as much. I, I I want to see if she wants to have a coffee with me sometime. I kind of <laughs> miss Dr. Free time now. Dina Henshaw. Yeah, so her updates will only be Monday to Friday. Uh, and online, she will not have an in-person press conference unless required. So I think that's a good thing. If we don't see her in person, that happens to be a good thing. Uh, but the roundup, because there was no updates of Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the Monday update included three days. And you see 90 cases I know, I kind of got worried yeah. when I saw that. It's an average of 30 per day. Like, uh, for example, on Monday, there were 30, or sorry, 31 cases on Saturday, 29 on Sunday, and 30 on Monday. So it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, not accounted for. 90 cases for a positivity rate of only 0.6, so 0.6% under just under 16,000 tests. So we're definitely moving in the right direction. And almost, could I say, even better? No yeah. COVID deaths in the last week. Oh, much week. better. So, I mean, that is so, that's just great. It's day after day. So we continue on this path of, of you know, heading in the right yeah. direction and, and sticking with the low, low numbers and everybody doing their thing and, and getting vaccinated whenever possible. And I think that's fantastic. And, I, you know, it led me to this is I heard Charles Adler talking about this last night on his show that Canadian researchers are now developing an edible COVID-19 vaccine. Oh, I think this is neat. So think about the breath strips that you put on your tongue. It's just like that. But they think they're able to put the medication in there or the vaccination in there. It's a rapid dose therapeutics is the company and McMaster University teaming up for this quick strip technology. And yeah, they think they can do not just COVID right now, but they'll be able to do others like even the flu shot won't be a shot it'll be a quick strip on your tongue okay i have a kid i took my kids for their first vaccine my son passed out because he was watching my daughter get her shot and down he went we ended up with an ambulance on scene so it was this whole drama thing for kids for people who have needle fears i just think this they're for everything it's brilliant if this can go ahead and the fact it's a canadian company even better they say it'll revolutionize the global de- delivery of vaccinations because you think about it and not only yeah, people have phobias and fears but it is real some people can't they have a physical yes. reaction but the other part of it is you think about it if it's like one of those breath strips it takes and maybe not good for jobs and healthcare. it takes having a qualified nurse or a pharmacist 
to apply that, literally they can hand it to you over the yes. counter and you can put it on your and tongue. And think about other countries where speed. they don't have the nurses, oh. the doctors, the delivery, the cold storage for these vaccinations. This changes the, the game for and sure. The cost yeah. Worldwide, this could be a game changer. Absolutely. Yeah, popping it on your tongue. That's uh, awesome. There's more to Drumheller than just dinosaurs. There's now a fabulous new adventure park with more than 30 activities for the whole family. Joining us now is Dustin Edwards, owner of the new Barney's Adventure Park in Drum. Hi, Dustin. Hey, Sue. How are you this morning? Excellent. Thank you, sir. Now, you and I have worked together for a few years at Stampede. So how does a cowboy come to open up a family adventure park? <laughs> well, I guess because uh, we, we just like to do uh, crazy things, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's been, uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, I was able to, uh, partner with an awesome family out here in Drumheller and, and, uh, working down here the last few years, uh, in, in a hockey role, we just saw a need for, you know, some more really cool tourism ideas in Drumheller and it kind of celebrates everything that is this valley. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been a, an adventure in itself getting the adventure built, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, Dustin, all dinosaurs all the time in Drumheller, but this takes it beyond the dinosaurs. Very active and very hands-on. So can you give us an idea of the activities? Yeah, you betcha. So, you know, we have uh, we have the park set up in kind of three areas. So our first area when you come in is our boom town, and it really pays tribute to the mining that it was in Drumheller. So obviously Drumheller, a very big coal mining community. So when you walk in the park, you walk under our big mining sluice water tower, and uh, you get an opportunity to use some gemstone mining. Then you get to walk through our very authentic uh, mine shaft that takes you into the park. And then once you're in, you know, it's, it's a very parent-powered, uh, I call it the free-for-all for kids, <laughs> slides, zip lines, ninja courses. But everything here pays tribute to something in Drumheller. So our, our zip line is our Blariot Ferry, which is just up the river from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the ferry flyer, and it's got the same poles for the zip lines as they use for the ferry cables beside us. And uh, our rope course is uh, pays tribute to the 11 bridges to Wayne, which is a famous road in Drumheller. And, of course, there's 11 bridges in the rope course. So uh, everything in our Boomtown side really pays tribute to kind of the Drumheller coal mining and the boom era uh, that, that they used to have here. Your timing is perfect, too, because let's face it, we want to be outside. We want to be keeping the kids active and keeping them off the screens like they have been for the past little while, working from home at school and that sort of thing. So this is great timing. And really, there's something in the park for every age, isn't there? Well, there is, because, uh, you know, if, if you're... Uh you don't want to brave the zip line or the, the sliders, you can head over to the barnyard. If you maybe haven't been around animals, it's a really cool opportunity in Barney's Barnyard uh, to get hands-on. We run pig races four times a day here at our old Ma Gilbert's pig race track. And uh, we've got baby goats and alpacas, uh, sheep. Uh, it's almost like the Calgary Stampede where you can get really hands-on and get up close to the animals. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, there's the the dinosaur walk. Uh, it's all dinosaurs in Drumheller, so we felt we had to have, uh, you know, a, a little bit of dinosaurs in there as well, and that's our boneyard area of the park. So, yeah, you know, we've seen young and old come through, and everybody leaves smiling. Easy to find in Drumheller, Dustin? Absolutely. Uh, we're on North Dinosaur Trail 
uh, you go past the museum west about five minutes, and you actually can't see the park from the highway. We're hidden behind a uh, a nice little hill, but uh, it's adventure awaits you when you when you come around the corner, and and we're right on the banks of the Red Deer River. It's a very picturesque spot down here in the valley. And, uh, yeah, on this North Dinosaur Trail, we've got campgrounds, go-karts, the Tyrell Museum, the golf course, uh, the ferry. It's all right here. You've got it all. It's a great place, and, and you're a great guy. Thanks for joining us, Dustin. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sue. Appreciate it. Dustin Edwards is the owner of Barney's Adventure Park, barneysdrumheller.com. I think you and I should go and race down the zip lines. That'd be great, as long as it's not uh, more than three or four feet off the ground. <laughs> Do you need a seatbelt? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yes, we'd love to check in with Cammie, who, of course, is with Savor Calgary Magazine. She's the editor, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, so many different foodie options to touch on. Uh, I know where I'm going to start, Cammie. First of all, good morning to you. Good morning to you. I want to tell you that I wasn't hungry until I saw the cover <laughs> of uh, this month's uh, July and August edition of Savor Man, Calgary. it looks good. The we went a looking- little, yeah, we went a little oh. different this time around. We took a picture of, like, the most decadent chicken sandwich you could ever, yeah. We've been getting comments like, people, where do I get that? Modern Burger is where you get that, in case you were curious. It's a double chicken Stop sandwich. It. I might frame the cover and just like <laughs> drool at home. But what is it? We've always had chicken sandwiches, uh, Cami, but now it's like they are the hottest thing. Oh, man. I think it was like it's a pandemic outcome because they traveled so well. Um, And let's face it, we all deserve some serious comfort food after what we've been through for the past year. So um, I think people are just really gravitating to uh, that sort of nice feeling of of comfort. And boy, the restaurants have sure stepped up their game in this department. And man, we get to benefit. So uh, it's been great. We um, something else that's been kind of interesting in this story is that Bridgeland is on fire right now. Um, Lots of new stuff happening over there, but specifically in this realm, we've got Flirty Bird Chicken, which is a national hot chicken sandwich. Um, The Blue Star Diner has always had their buttermilk fried chicken sandwich. So yummy! And uh, Gin Bar, which is newish, and if if you like your uh, chicken burger spicy, that's the place to go. Okay, I'm drooling a little bit, but I'll try to calm myself down as we talk next (laughs) about pulled pork. I mean, this is kind of a a stampede staple, isn't it? Does it go beyond that, though? Oh, man. Yeah, this is a serious commitment. So Daniel Domenko is the like barbecue nerd in the best possible way. He's a new contributor to uh, Savor Calgary um, and is the proprietor behind Smoke and Season Barbecue Rubs. So he like he gets down into the nitty gritty of this stuff. So if you're you know serious about a commitment to make some not um, slow cooker pulled pork in an authentic way, this masterclass is for you. And pulled pork is something that, you know, I've seen on social media, a lot of people saying, I just can't get it right. So uh, hearing the words and uh, watching a professional would probably be best. I think so, yeah. There's, um, you know, when, it, when it's all broken down, it's simple. There's a lot of steps involved, but if um, Daniel breaks it down really well. So if you're a little intimidated, this might be a great place for you to start. Okay, Savor Calgary, always a place to go when you want to find the best food in Calgary. Global Grill, talk to us about this collection. Oh, man. It, so, yeah, we took a trip around the world just right here in Calgary. Um, Grace Wang did a great job of this story. Um, I'm going to start in Crescent Heights with um, Sun Barbecue's Char Siu. This is that sticky, 
drippy, beautiful pork that you see hanging in the windows um, in in, um, Chinese restaurants throughout Mm -hmm. the city. This is a Cantonese-style barbecue pork, which is, uh, oh, just soy sauce and honey and hoisin sauce and red fermented bean curd, and it just makes everything taste so delicious. I highly recommend that one for you. Um, And the other one that really kind of stood out for me was um, the beef kabsa at Yemeni Village. Um, It's got, it's just like so aromatic and flavorful with notes of clove and cumin and cardamom um, and if you, again if you're a spice kind of person this the spice they put or the sauce they put with it is called jug and um, it'll yeah it'll knock your socks off this stuff it's crazy because it's very green and refreshing but at the same time just unexpectedly spicy mm. we've got uh, you know one of the top foodies in the city on the line here so we have to ask you cammy it's national french friday uh, where's <gasps> where, where, are the, where are the best french fries in calgary can you pick a favorite um, I love the garlic fries at Palomino. Ooh. Those those are, you know, some next-level things for sure. And uh, since we were talking about Mar- Modern Burger with, the, um, with that chicken burger on the cover, they have pretty good fries there too, I think. Oh, that they do. Thank you so much. Okay, we're all uh, have watering mouths now. Go to savercalgary.ca for all the details on what Cammie talked about. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. Cammie Laird is the editor of Saver Calgary Magazine. Nothing says summer like the smell of barbecue wafting through the neighborhood. And the only way it can be better is if that smell is coming from your own backyard. Barbecue season is hitting its peak. And the gadget guy, Mike Yanni, joins us this morning to tell us how we can take our grilling to the next level with technology. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning. I think a lot of barbecuers think that if they want the latest and the greatest, they have to buy a new grill every couple of years. But that's not the case. Mm. You can buy smaller gadgets that can up your barbecue game. We need that because uh, typically you think of it as the most low-tech. It's just cooking over fire. But if you want to be like a pit master, you need the help. And, you know, we've heard a lot about sous vide. And you think about sous vide uh, being, you know, strictly for the higher end restaurants. I don't even know what it means. Oh, come on. You got to break this down for Sue. It's for sous vide. <laughs> sous vide. This, this oh. is the secret weapon for the pit master. And you're right. High end restaurants used to do this. Well, they still do it. And you could buy these devices in the past, but they used to cost $1,000 or more. And now they're super affordable. So sous vide is when you vacuum seal your meat in a plastic bag, you put it in a uh, pot of water, and then you use a device that kind of looks like an immersion blender. You put it in the water and you set it low and slow, so basically 60 degrees, 70 degrees, and it will actually slowly cook your meat in the water in that vacuum bag for seven hours. And in some cases, in rare, in rare cases, for certain cuts of meat, up to 72 hours. Now, it sounds gross. Okay, you're vacuum sealing yeah, your meat really and you're boiling it, you know, but when it's done, you throw it on the grill, you get those grill marks, make the outside crispy, and I'm telling you guys, when you when you put it on the plate, you can almost cut your meat with a fork. So you can buy a sous vide for home? Is yeah. That a, is, that a, is that a word, sous vide? Yeah, yeah well, well, we'll call it that. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so, and, and you know, they're a couple hundred dollars, but I'm telling you, this makes the mm. world of difference. You can buy those cheaper cuts of meats and make them just as soft okay. as some of those most expensive cuts. Cool. Yeah, good stuff. we got just a couple minutes left here, but I want to talk about the meter, Um, and it's a (laughs) thermometer. It is a thermometer, but this is different because it's a wireless probe that goes into your steak or your cut of meat, so you can see on your smartphone the internal temperature of your meat, and at the same time, the the temperature inside the barbecue. So perfect when you have people coming over, a big group, now that we can do that, and you can throw, you know, four or five steaks on, 
put a probe in each one and from your smartphone monitor and get notifications when each one is perfect. I like my medium rare. I don't know about you guys. Me too, but boy, we're lazy. We're smart and lazy. Okay, how's that? I I want to touch on a couple before we let you go. Grill Daddy is really cool. You've you've said that that's a sort of a a steam cleaner brush for your grill, but also touch on the grill bot for us. A Roomba for your barbecue? Yeah, this is so silly. I actually bought one a couple years ago. I had to test it out. It's this tiny little robot with brushes that that, move, and you put it on the grill, and you set it and forget it, and five, 15 minutes later... These brushes have cleaned your grill. I will warn you, though, you've got to close the lid and let the robot run, and it kind of sounds like there's a squirrel trap in your barbecue because <laughs> it, it kind of really gets at it, but it works. Oh, good stuff. Making cool. it easy and tasty at this same time. We'll be grilling like a villain for the rest of the summer. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. That is Mike Yanni, that gadget guy. Uh, you can find him at Gadget Guy Mike on Instagram. And, of course, on YouTube, find his channel by searching Gadget Guy Mike Yanni. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.